a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Today on First Lady and Friends, we had a very important conversation with an incredible teacher, Melinda Lewis. She is a sixth grade teacher at Sand Springs Elementary in Davis School District. She was awarded Most Valuable Educator by the Utah Jazz. We also had Michelle Suzuki, Senior Vice President and Instructor, who is with the company that does amazing things for our educators here in the state. Let's get proximate. We're back here on First Lady and Friends. We have some really fun guests today. Uh, we have Michelle Suzuki. She's the senior vice president of a company called Instructure. And if you have children in school at any level, including college, you have heard of Canvas. And, and that's, that's an Instructure uh, program. And so we, we're thrilled to have Michelle here. Um, also a very special guest. And I just really feel honored. Uh, to have Melinda Lewis here. She is a teacher at Sand Springs Elementary School in the Davis School District. And she has an amazing story of, of um, education and some other things that are going on with you. And so we're, we're really excited to get into that. So thank you for being here, ladies. Thank, thank you for you. having us. Absolutely. Let's, let's talk a little bit, Michelle, about instructure and, and the way you are supporting teachers. And tell me a little bit about uh, a feel for what you're seeing in the education field right at this moment. Yeah, thanks for having me. And um, it's, it's a real honor to be with you. Instructure is a software company that's local here in Salt Lake City. Uh, and we have a learning platform that enables teachers to teach better and for students to learn better. Um, and, you know, as you said, Canvas is a cornerstone learning management system. We also have assessment solutions and video solutions and, and lots of uh, ways that teachers and educators of all sorts can kind of connect with their students and automate the things that are manual processes like tagging quizzes and those kinds of things. Um, what we're really all about during this time in particular is COVID has presented a, a really interesting state of affairs for education. Um, in the beginning, a lot of uh, schools had to go virtual. And for many teachers, this was the first time that they were using a technology platform to teach their students. And it was tough to keep them engaged. We saw stories on the news of teachers that were sitting out at the end of students' driveways trying to help them get connected. Um, and we recognize that this has been a, a really challenging time for teachers and for students. And what we want to do is make teaching easier and really empower teachers to do those things that they 
want and need to do to help students achieve success. Oh, I love that. Yeah. We've um, got a really cool program that we've been partnering with the Utah Jazz on this year called our Most Valuable Educator Program. And uh, we recognize 21 teachers during this current season for their outstanding uh, efforts and contributions to the community and to the students that they teach. And um, we honor them with a $1,000 scholarship that they can use for their classroom to buy supplies or whatever it is they need. Um, And we have had more than 4,000 nominations come in for these amazing teachers just in the state of Utah. Um, So it's been a heartwarming experience for us to really dig through those, read them. There are so many teachers who are working so hard, really, really hard to make their students feel successful and to help them learn during this really challenging time. Yeah. So talk a little bit, maybe some specific stories that you've heard from from these teachers as you've gotten to know them. Yeah. You know, we've we've had uh, teachers in K-12. We've had special education teachers. We've had principals. We've had higher education. Um, I think the standard thread is that teachers are trying really, really hard to make that connection with their students. There was a point in time where there were some gaps, I think, in education. Teachers have been striving to kind of make up for that and help their students get kind of on track with their learning and socializing with each other. And at the same time, you talked about the wellness for these educators. And it has been a really, really, really tough time. I think it's been a tough time for students and for parents. But these teachers are really keeping things hung together. Um, I have a 10-year-old son who has autism, and his teacher is special. And he is really helping my son get through this really challenging time. And my son is connected with him in a way we haven't seen before. And for me, teachers are everything. They are the ones who are keeping our society hung together right now. Um, And it's a special place to sit at Instructure to really help teachers do what they do best, which is helping our students learn and grow. That's incredible. Thank you for sharing that, uh, Michelle. And thank you for what you're doing to to really um, honor our teachers. I think it's really important right now. Uh, like you said, there's a lot of weirdness, I think, that we've seen in COVID. And by weirdness, I mean kind of meanness. And I've been really um, disheartened in a lot of ways um, I, I'm a positive person. I'm really kind of an optimistic person and I see a lot of positive around us and I think we all do. And, and, and the problem is that, that the negative is so loud. Mm-hmm. And I think we've seen that a little bit with, with education in the last little while is, uh, you know, this just kind of a, a meanness and a, and a, people are angry and, and, and the way I've heard it explained and, and my husband was reading this book and it's a book I need to start, but it talking about how our, as humans, things are changing so rapidly and we only have such a, so much capacity to change and, and we can only change at a certain rate or at least that's what we've been, you know, historically only being able to, to handle so much change at a time. But things are changing so rapidly, we, we feel very unmoored. Mm-hmm. And I think people take that out in different ways. I think people take, you know, that sense of being unmoored or, or, or you know, sense of instability, instability. And, and, and I think they take that out in different ways, but um, I've just seen our teachers taking the brunt of a lot of this angst and anger because we are so 
emotionally um, connected to our children who then we are uh, giving to our teachers to to help. And so, um, Melinda, again, thank you for being here. Thank you um, for inviting But I, I love... Um, your first grade teacher. I'm a sixth grade teacher. Sixth grade. Oh, why did I think first? <laughs> I don't know why I thought that. So sixth grade, even yeah, better. Yes. Because they're they are the they're best. like half baked. Yes, they are. So, <laughs> they are half baked. <laughs> that's a fun. That's a fun time, and a, a fun age for change. For for kids are going through a lot of changes yeah. then, and they can really start to express some things. But let's go back and talk about you. Let's talk about where you grew up. A little bit about your family. Um, just tell me about you. Okay. Um, well, um, I grew up in um, Syracuse, Layton area. I went to Layton High, um, and then are you like wanting to know like? Kind of like my career. What yeah, my well, career? your family, your career. Yeah, let's get there. Let's start in the way back. Way back. <laughs> okay. Um, so um, so I just grew up in Layton and Syracuse, and I always wanted to be a school teacher um, from when I was like really little. My sixth grade teacher was pretty amazing and um, was a huge influence on me. Um, and um, I got I went on an LDS mission. Um, I went to London, um, mm-hmm. came home and went to school for a little bit. And then um, got married and had three beautiful girls. I have three beautiful girls. Um, one is currently in law school. I have one that's pre-med. And then um, I have a 15-year-old who is a sophomore at mm-hmm. Leighton High. Um, and uh, what else would you like to know? I went to Weber State, graduated with a teaching degree, but um, I worked at a financial institution for a very long time. Um, it took me a long time to become a teacher. I was in management, went back to finished, and um, went back to school and got my degree. Mm. And so I've only been a school teacher for like nine years. So you start, so this is a, a second career yes. for you. Okay. Yes. So what, what made you decide to make the change? Um, I just always wanted to be a school teacher. It just took me a long time to get there. Um, I would go to school when I could. Um, I was married and, um, you know, getting his education came first, of course. And so he got his degree and then we had children. It just made it really hard for me to go back. But I just always wanted to be a school teacher. And so I stepped down from management um, where I worked and went back to school but still continued to work I'm at the financial institution and worked there through like student teaching and everything and mm. actually just recently um, stopped working there because I needed it to supplement my income, right? Because school teachers, right? Wow. I know this is going to be a surprise. We don't make a lot of money. Yes. I know. Everyone's <laughs> shocked on the air right now. But, it is a, um, quite a revelation. Yeah. But had to quit because, you know, my health. But, but anyway, yeah, I just, I just think that teaching is important. I just always wanted to be a school teacher. So, so you were working two jobs. You were working both yeah, until both recently. places until just recently. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. When I started chemo, it was just it was too hard. Yeah. Way too hard. So you 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 decided that um, to to become a teacher, sort of along the way as as continuing your education. Who who kind of inspired you? You talked about your your sixth grade teacher is that where it started do you have yeah. people in your family that were educators or um i don't in fact um what's really crazy cool is um i got a letter from weber states because i'd started kind of trying to get my 
to get my degree. And I got a letter from Weber State and they said, you're 87% done with getting your degree. If, you know, contact us and see about finish getting your teaching degree. And so I was like, yeah, you know, I, I'm going to check it out. So I went and met with somebody there and I was like, it's going to be really hard for me to go back to school. I hate to take out student loans and kind of was talking to her and stuff. And she says, well, let's see if we can find you some type of scholarship. And, um, she said, you know, hey, is anybody in your family ever graduated with a degree or has a degree? And I said, no, they, they don't. And she said, oh, we can we can get you that. So I got a partial scholarship, um, and then they gave me another scholarship because I got good grades and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I was – I mean, that was how I was able to go back to school. But my sixth-grade teacher, um, his name was Craig Paul, and he used to be um, – I don't know if you know who Craig Paul is, but he's pretty amazing and uh, – my childhood was a little rough. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. And whether or not he knew that, I don't know. But um, he was an amazing teacher and just really kind of took me under his wing and, you know, I uh, was in trouble a lot. And he just helped me with a ton of things. And I just thought to myself, yeah, when I get older, I want to I be a teacher like him. And, in fact, I saw him. I'd only been a teacher for a couple of years. He'd come to my school to talk um, to the faculty and it just made me cry because oh, he's just amazing. amazing. And he remembered me, bless him. So that was probably because I was in a little bit of trouble, but well, he was awesome. But also shows the power of that one caring adult yeah, that we've for talked sure. about a Absolutely. lot. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, that's amazing. So, um, tell me what, after you've, you, you graduated, um, and you started teaching, what was the, what was that first year like? I mean, I know you do student teaching. So I did student teaching and then I started having babies. So I that was kind of the end of my my teaching was my student teaching. And so I know that that first year I've heard, I mean, just my student teaching was the most exhausting thing I've ever done in my life. I did special education. So I, and I, mean, I was just thoroughly exhausted. I, I can't imagine, you know, that what that first year, that whole first year is like. So my first year was actually... <laughs> Pretty incredible because I was hired on at Heritage Elementary and they hired me to teach all the fifth and sixth grade teachers or not teachers, but students language arts. So I had 267 students that blew through my portable. Wow. <laughs> and um, like they come into my class and like I had them journal every day. And I said to him, if you think enough to write it, I think enough to read it. And there were times when I was sitting in my portable until 11 o'clock at night reading uh, journal entries and thinking to myself, oh, yeah. 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 And probably pretty special stuff that you. Yeah. But it was was a really great experience for me. And then. and then I moved to Sand Springs and where I taught, you know, fifth grade. And then I moved to sixth grade. But I did my endorsement in special ed. So I love that you do that, that, you know, you said that you did that because part of the reason why I did that was to, you know, help the kids that were in my class, that are in my class that are a little bit lower, that struggle because that's, that's yeah. important. It's hard for them when they have to leave to go out to resource. Yeah. Very Which, hard on them. you know, is a thing I... Wish didn't happen. <laughs> I wish it didn't happen too. In fact, I always say I could do like I could do so much if you just give me an aid. You know, like yeah. all day. Like if I had an aid in my classroom, I could just work miracles. Well, so interesting because yeah. So I and it's it's a passion of mine. So I'm going to keep pushing for that. But um, when I did my student teaching, I was actually the second. The I had two placements because I did an emphasis in early childhood and severe. And my second placement was actually in Virginia, wow. because my husband was finishing or going starting law school actually. And so I actually, I mean, it was back in the olden days. It's 
where like literally I had to videotape my programs oh my and <laughs> and put them in an envelope and mail them back to my wow. professor at Utah State. <laughs> this is so yay for instructor and and all the <laughs> yes, wonderful you know you. technologies <laughs> that we have now. Um, but I I remember just yeah I mean it's so I'm in Virginia and they they didn't have I I didn't have a classroom I had a caseload. And I literally went and did each one of my programs, you know, worked on programs with the kids in each each one of my students. I went into their class. They had an aide in their classroom, didn't sit on top of the kid the whole time because that doesn't help when you're a kid and you have an adult sitting with you every moment for for right. social interactions and and those kinds of things and feeling different and feeling, you know, estranged from your from your peers. And so. The aid was for the entire class to to help facilitate, you know, having that student there. And and it was I thought it worked well. Um, obviously, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, infrastructure that has to go into that. But um, that's, I think, the ideal situation. Yeah, and I, I think th- so, too. And it sounds like you that's the way you would have done it. Yeah, because my whole thing, too, as a teacher is like helping to build self-esteem and like changing their mindset on how they see things. And that's that's hard to do when, you know, they're getting up and they're leaving the room and everyone knows why they're leaving the room. And uh, when I was doing my doing my endorsement, one of my professors, pretty amazing, she tried to talk me into just doing special ed. But I said to her, like, honestly, like the best place for me to use this tool is like in the classroom, in a regular classroom. Yeah. So no, I, w- I wish that would change. That would be something that would be that would be really cool. I wish that that was something that we didn't do. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think there's definitely room to grow and we can (laughs) keep working on some of these things. But let's talk a little bit. um, When we come right back, I want to talk a little bit about some of your successes and and the really cool experiences that you've had teaching. We'll, We'll be right back. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. We are back here with Melinda uh, Lewis. She's here. Uh, she's a sixth grade teacher at Sand Springs Elementary School in Davis School District. And we're just having a delightful conversation about your experiences, and let's let's talk about um, your successes. I know we we've talked about sometimes things are negative, but um, in the classroom, um, let's talk about you know some successes that you're seeing with your students currently. Um, so uh, my whole philosophy of my classroom. So I have this statement up on my. Um, up on my wall that's called Knowledge is Power, and it talks about how um, I can do hard things. And um, so it goes, Knowledge is Power, I can do hard things. Um, When I am learning, I am growing. When I am growing, I gain knowledge. With knowledge comes the power to become anyone, 
and that I choose to be. But <clears throat> anyway, that's just the gist of it. But I talk to my students about how important their mindset is and, and how they talk to themselves and how our brains are such powerful tools and we don't we don't really realize that. And how um, whatever we say to ourselves, our brain goes just like this, as you wish. And so if I am constantly saying to myself, like, math is hard or science is hard or I don't like writing, I don't like to read. Like, we don't talk like that in my classroom. We talk, we say, I love to read, I love math, regardless if that's really what your belief is because eventually it becomes your belief. Um, I've had students that have come into my class that at end of um, level testing have been a one when they come into my classroom and we talk about how, hey, you know, I love math. And um, they'll say to me, oh, I love math. And I'll say, oh, I know that about you. I know that you love math and you're so good at math and just talking positive to them. And um, I've had them leave at end of level testing of four. Mm-hmm. And it's not anything that like I'm doing. It's what they're doing and how they're talking to themselves. And, you know, even like with reading and you know, they'll say, I'm not like, I'm not a great reader. I don't like to read. And I just say, we don't, we don't say that. Or if they say something negative, then they say my little quote on, on the board. But, um, I just, I think that that really is the key, um, for students to be successful is how they talk to themselves and even how we talk to ourselves. You know, I think we don't realize how, you know, the power of what we say. And, you know, I heard it once say that, said that, you know, one one negative thought or th- one negative thing you say to yourself, it takes ten positive things to cancel that one negative thing mm-hmm. out. And I'm just such a such a huge believer in that. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And and what we say to them too. I with my daughter, I I actually have a daily reminder on my phone, and I'm really bad at it, and I try really hard. But I have a reminder that just says seven to one, and maybe it should be ten to one. But I always it's that remember to say. 10 positive things before you say a negative thing. When you have a 15-year-old daughter, which you do, yeah. it's really hard to like not like get into it with her and I and it's really hard not to like pick out don't do this and you're doing that, you know, and all these things and so I just got to where I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm saying all these negative things." So I had this this reminder on my phone, 7 to 1, 7 to 1, say seven th- positive things. But I love the fact that you're saying that we need to do that in ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. That is that is absolutely yeah. brilliant. And if, if you've seen this change your students. Yeah, 100%. It, like every every day. And, you know, um, you have kids that come into your classroom that, and I know you're like the sixth grade, but they come in and they just, they have no self-esteem and they just don't believe in themselves. And I'll even write out on a card for them, like things like, I am smart, I am amazing you know, like four affirmations and I'll say to him, okay, I want you to put this someplace where you're going to see it when you go home. And every morning when you get up, I want, you know, go in and brush your teeth, shut the bathroom door. And I want you to say those things into, in, you know, in the mirror. And then at night when you go home and, and I'll say to him, okay, when you come in in the morning, you're going to fist bump me and tell me that you did it. And they'll do that. But, you know, it's just, it just takes, you know, and part of my thing is to not to go off on a different thing, but you know we don't realize that these kids are our future, and I, I get on a soapbox all the time with them, a daily soapbox, and say to them, you know, it's too late for my generation. We blew it, right? We really did. We blew it. And your parents say, right? It's hopefully they can make a little bit of difference, but you are where it's at, and so you, you know, you have to get an education. You have to change the world because. It's up to you. And I'll tell you that 
this is the honest to goodness truth. This is I just believe this with everything that I am that, you know, I have peacemakers that walk through my classroom that will negotiate peace for this world. Mm-hmm. And I have scientists and I have students that will find a cure for cancer and I and authors and and professional football players and all of that, you know, and we just have to start investing in them and investing in education and letting them know how important they are, that they have to change the world. Cause if they don't, we're in trouble. I mean, we're already in trouble, but like seriously. And don't you find a lot of, uh, for me, when I'm around kids and youth, I feel a lot of hope that that is going to happen. I feel a lot of hope that they will, because they're just, they're more empathetic. They're, they're kinder. They they just get it. Um, I I don't know. Is that what you're is that what you're seeing? Is yeah. that your experience? Yeah, for sure. I, I think that, you know. I think that when I talk, not I think I know that when I talk to my students about how significant they are or how important they are, you know, you see that they're like, oh, like I've never really been told that before because they're. I think that sometimes we look at kids and we think, oh, they're eleven, twelve. But this is where we they have to start, you know, to believe in themselves and realize that they ha- that they're going to make a difference, you mm-hmm. know, and that they do have to be kinder and they do have to, you know, change things. Yeah, for sure. I love that. So let's talk about. Um, I know some of my <laughs> some of my funniest moments in my life are when in the classroom, and I just I, I find so much joy. And I, I do. There was a little boy in one of my preschool classes that would come in every single morning, every single morning, didn't matter what the weather was, what it looked like. And he would say, it's a beautiful, beautiful day. <laughs> so it's my, like, That's my favorite thing in the whole world. And um, so I know you have those. What are your sort of like those moments with your with your kids that um, that, that you feel like really made it made a difference? Um, OK, you know, uh, so my I guess it was my first year teaching, <clears throat> my first year, my second year teaching. You know, I got a student, and uh, because of what I did, my endorsement, and sometimes I get kids that are a little bit harder. But um, I got this kid, and the principal's like, him, you know, this kid's a little hard. <clears throat> so uh, this kid comes into my classroom, and, you know, I'm instantly like thinking, okay, he's kind of hard, like I get him. And, um, but he actually wasn't hard for me, he was actually a really good kid. And um, he'd tell me all the time that he was going to play a professional ball. And I'd say to him, yeah, you know what, 100% you're going to play professional ball and really super smart. And at parent-teacher conferences, um, his mom came in and sat down with me. And I could just tell, you know, you just the parents have a look on their, on their face. She had a look on her face like, yeah, just bracing herself for what I was going to tell, <laughs> tell her. And <clears throat> I told her how much I loved this kid. And I'll never forget that she started to cry. And she said um, that I was the first teacher that had told her that about him. Wow. And um, I said to her, one of the things I super love about him, he's such a hard worker. You know, he's so smart. It doesn't matter what he's done. If I go to him and I say to him, hey, you know, this is this is what what I'm being told. He was, like, always honest about it. And recently um, I was invited to a – signing party he just signed on with BYU and uh, not just for the fact that he's an amazing athlete um, but he's an amazing student too and he's an amazing kid and think about all those years that he was made to feel like maybe he wasn't 
Yeah. But he was wow. a good kid. He's a good kid. He's a good kid. What do you, you talked about, you know, sitting down and talking to parents. What, what do you, what do you wish parents knew about what you do and, and what goes on in the classroom? I wish they knew. I wish that all of them understood that I, that, uh, things that I ask their child to do, um, are not, it's not impossible. Um, (laughs) that I don't ask them to do anything that I mean, I know what they, what their abilities are. And I don't think parents realize as a teacher, I'm spending as much time with, with their child as they are more sometimes. uh, I, I, I know their child pretty in depth. I know what, you know, what their fears are and what their abilities are and all of that. And so when I'm, when I'm saying to a kid, you can do this and like, you know, why didn't you do your homework or come on, you can do better than that. It's, you know, I believe in you. Like, that's because I know that that really is the truth, and parents sometimes don't don't know that they don't. I don't think they realize as educators we know that. That's in, that's an interesting thought, and you're a mom, so where where is the disconnect with us as parents? <laughs> where does that come in? I don't. You know what? I don't know, but it, I'm going to tell you as an educator, it's very uh, disheartening because you know. It, <sighs> My, because my objective as a teacher is to make sure that their child's successful. And I say, you know, to my students that my goal is to have them prepare for junior high. Junior high is hard. I don't know anybody that goes, oh, I wish I could go back and live through junior high again. <laughs> right. right? <clears throat> exactly like you feel right. awkward. It's hard. You're tiny. You know, all that stuff. And and it just like it's my goal for them to be successful when they leave me. Because I say this and people I'm telling you. I don't stop thinking about them when they leave me, mm. you know. I remember every student. I love every student, even though sometimes you, <laughs> sometimes you love them. Sometimes you don't like what they do, but you love them. Um, but they don't ever, even the ones that don't like you, you, you still think about and worry about what's happened to them or if they're okay or if they're successful. And mm. I, I'm not sure where the disconnect is. but That's interesting. And, I, I yeah, because you see it from both angles when you're a parent and then been an educator, it's – it's an interesting thought how you can kind of see the best in, in your students, but sometimes it's a little tougher to to really, you know, not to have that same encouragement for your for your own kids. So that's an interesting thought. Um I wanna I wanna get into um some some more about uh teaching and, and education in general and we'll do that when we come right back. We are back here with uh, Melinda Lewis, and we are talking about your your career in teaching and and just the incredible experiences that you're having. Um, right now in this moment, we've talked a little bit about this, but let's talk about COVID. I really don't want to talk about COVID anymore, but I, I think we need to. I think we need to bring up what our educators have been going through these last two years. Um, so let's, let's first talk about COVID and then, and then let's get into maybe your, your personal experiences that you've been having this last little while. So let's tell me, I guess, what do you wish people knew about, about COVID and how it's affected your, the, the, the way you're teaching and the things you're doing? Um, I wish that people knew um, what teachers have been through with COVID. I don't think that they have a, I don't 
think that a whole lot of people have a really deep understanding of it. You know, when it hit um, and we were told that we had to go online, um, like Canvas, right? It was like amazing and such a huge help to us as teachers. And uh, people were saying, oh, yeah, you know, teachers are so great. We love teachers. And then all of a sudden it just flipped and changed. And uh, I'll never forget I saw a post, somebody standing outside the Davis County uh, School District building with a sign that said, teachers' immune systems are built for this. And me thinking to myself, wow, Uh, things changed like in an instant. And then teachers were under attack and, um, you know, for – going online and then the masks and everything and teachers are just you know working their guts out to make sure that their students are educated and they're getting the information that they need and honestly like being able to do canvas and like virtual that that's hard because a computer or program right it's amazing but it will never replace a teacher because i have to change and accommodate students all the time and um and if you're not doing that as a teacher, then you shouldn't be teaching because it's just something that you have to do. Or a student raises their hand and asks questions, and you have to like change things around. And that is hard to do through Zoom. Yeah. So I just feel like that that was huge. And then you know, kids had to wear masks, and they were, I feel like they were being pulled different directions because they're coming to school and they're being told that they need to wear a mask to keep themselves safe and everybody's safe. And then their parents are fighting against it. Yeah. And that was really hard on teachers, too. Yeah, I I just I yeah, I can't even imagine the kinds of pressures um, that 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 brings. And and I think um, my whole mantra lately is just we just got to give everybody some grace. Everybody's doing the best they can. And and I think, you know, educators have done heroic things. These last two years. Yeah, we're in this together. And until, I mean, we got to realize that, that we're in this together. And, you know, we've got to support and help each other or else it's just, I mean, seriously, it's just not good. Yeah. And then, so you're, you've also had a, a personal health challenge. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I was um, teaching summer school <laughs> and uh, got a call. I was diagnosed with breast cancer in the summertime um, and had to, um, have a double mastectomy, and then they said, oh, you know, we're pretty sure that that will take care of it. I mean, there's more to the story, but um, we're pretty sure that will take care of it. And I was like, ah, oh, awesome. And then I got a call and said, no, it's uh, in your lymph nodes. Uh-huh. And I'm an 80s chick, right? So <laughs> I don't know if you know anything about 80s chicks, but like um, hair. I, I am one too. <laughs> like hair is the thing. Aquanet, like we're the reason why the ozone's got problems, <laughs> right. right? But whatever, we had great hair. And so, uh, or at least we thought it was right. It was great. Come on, <laughs> the perm. Yeah, but the bigger yeah. the better. Yep. Um, and so uh, I had hair down to here and down to you know my back. And uh, the first thing I was like, I'm going to lose my hair. My sister's a beautician and and uh, like my best friend. And I just sobbed. And she's like, Your hair will grow back. But um, yeah, it was. It's oh. been a. It's been a rough, rough. So not only are you dealing with, you know, fears of COVID, you're you're especially susceptible because of of the the chemo treatments that you're doing. Yes. But I will tell you this. I've got some pretty amazing parents this year and students. I mean, I have amazing parents every year and amazing students every year. 
But this year, when um, they knew that I was going to be going through chemo, this is pretty sweet. The day that I came back, all of my students were dressed in pink and all wearing masks. And they don't have to wear masks. I mean, you can't make them wear a mask, but they knew because of my immune system um, that they needed to wear a mask. And so... Uh, they they wear a mask. Majority of them wear a mask to like keep me safe. So that's pretty awesome. That's incredible. Pretty sweet Absolutely. and tender. Yeah. Very tender. Very. That's amazing. And, and 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 again, stories you don't hear. You know, you you hear all the negative and you hear all the terrible things. And we 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 know they're there, and we know it's been really difficult. But sometimes we we have to be reminded that there is good. There is a lot and, of good. And people are good. They really are. Yeah, I, think I think they are too. They get they get lost sometimes. Some people. Don't know how to how to deal with with the anxiety of what's going on and the uncertainty, and they use you know we we talk about using our good emotional intelligence <laughs> and teaching that. I think you are teaching that. That's what I think is so beautiful. You're teaching those emo- emotional intelligence skills for these students, and and then you're seeing them played out, which is pretty cool. Well, thank you. So let's talk about um, let's let's talk about a day in the life of a teacher. Okay, because I think this is something that people aren't familiar with. I think they think, hey, I went to school, so I'm an expert on all things school, right? right (laughs) Yeah, well, I substituted last week in in a, a junior high. My husband and I went and we substituted in a junior high last week and um, I hadn't been in a school for a while since my, I mean, my kids are in elementary, so I was in the school a lot when my kids were in elementary, but since then it's been a long time since I was teaching in a school and um, just for me, it was just a blast. We had a blast. I was with kids, kids with disabilities and, and we, we just, we went to lunch and we went to we went to orchestra and we we had a ball. So we wow. we just had a good time. But my husband, on the other hand, was in a history teacher with seventh and eighth graders, oh, wow. and he taught three different periods, um, one with a team teacher, the other two by himself, and um, very eye opening and very wonderful. And it's not something he's unfamiliar with. We've we've done junior achievement a lot, so we've taught a little bit in these in school. So it's, it's it was a blast. But I think people think because they went to school, they, they know what goes on now. So I would love to give, you know, have you give the listeners a day in the life of um, your, your teaching. Well, I um, get up and I go to school early. Um, I'm there by 730 so that I can prep. I have students that are uh, struggle um, with math. I have them come in early and I work with them before school starts. Um, and then the bell rings, and we just get into it. We start. I teach math, science, social studies, language arts, all of that, um, and that happens all day long. They go to recess, and you just sit down and take a breath, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and then they leave. And I think a lot of people think that at the end of the day, teach it's like three thirty, and like teachers like kick up their feet, but. Um, <laughs> That is not what happens, folks. That's when the work starts again. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you gather their papers and you look through and begin, you grade them yourself a majority of the time because you have to see what concepts they understand and what they don't understand so that you can change your um, how you're lecturing on something or pull small groups aside. Um, and so I go home and I sit on my couch until sometimes 8, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night correcting stuff 
or going back through lesson plans and going, okay, I got to change how I'm talking about this, or what am I going to do for my really high kids because they can't listen to this one more time, and then you know how how am I going to help those kids that are low, you know, and for them to understand the concept because they have to understand the concept, and so you just do all that and then you just start all over again. It's incredible. I I remember when I was student teaching the the it was a preschool, a special education preschool, and I remember I'd do I'd do my first session and then we'd clean up and get ready for the next session and we'd do the next session. And I remember and I was pregnant with my first my son and he, and I remember just going home and sleeping from like three to five and then I would get up and start my lesson plans again because I was so exhausted and then I'd be ready to you know and then I'd spend all night doing my lesson plans for the next day and it's yeah thoroughly exhausting yeah it is and even answering emails and I had a fellow teacher say to me you know last week why you know why you you need to turn that off you when you leave you need to but the thing is this is that if I have a student that's emailing me and asking me a question on an assignment or a parent that has a concern, I'm certainly not going to make them wait until the next day for me to respond to them when I can resolve it for them. And so it's even like answering, you know, emails to make sure that your parents and your your parents and your students are like yeah. in a good place, right? Wow. Yeah, so. that is a lot. And so then tell me a little bit about your routine because I know you're still doing chemo. So how is that, how is that working? Um, so I haven't missed a whole lot of school. Um, when I was doing the Red Devil, I would miss – so I'd get chemo on Thursdays. Um, I'd miss Fridays, which is a half a day, and then part of Monday. Um, but – what, since I've been doing Taxol, which is the last stint of this, um, I've, I've not missed any days except I missed Monday and Tuesday because it's built up in my system enough to where mm-hmm. it's kind of uh, – I'm tired and exhausted, so I was pretty sick Monday and Tuesday, but only have two more treatments. So, Wow. So, yeah. So not only are you dealing with the actual fatigue of <laughs> being a teacher, you're dealing with the fatigue of of chemo. Yeah, but how are you doing this? <laughs> well, that should tell you how important it is that what we're doing as teachers yeah. and how important we I mean, seriously, the job that we're doing, I don't think people realize that. And uh, I, I want to share with you, <clears throat> you know, I always so in the sixth grade, we do argumentative writing. And <clears throat> I say to what a question that I pose to my students is, do you believe that professional athletes should be paid what they're paid. And, you know, of course, all the boys, like, raise their hand and, like, girls are like, yeah, you know, they deserve to be paid. And they start, like, breaking down for them what, like, a doctor makes, a lawyer makes, military, brand new in the military, and a teacher makes, a fireman placement, all that. And they start seeing that and they start talking about how, you know, crucial these other jobs are. I'm not saying that a professional athlete shouldn't be paid like what they should be paid, but I think that I think that people don't realize the importance of a te- importance of a teacher because who did, who educated all of them? Yeah, yeah. And um, you know when teachers have to work two jobs to be able to financially make it to keep in the profession, and we seriously need to get rid of the whole attitude of you know well we, 
do this for free or, you know, we didn't get into it to make money. Well, we have to still pay our bills and we're losing a lot of good teachers because they can't financially make it. And we are missing out on men becoming teachers Mm -hmm. because if it's the primary income, they can't survive on it. So, you know, me, that's just, I just how important I feel like a teacher's job is. And I tell my students all the time that they can do hard things. And so, is this hard for me? Yeah, but if I wasn't there every day teaching them, then I wouldn't be showing them that I can do hard things too. Yeah. It doesn't matter how old you are. You have to do hard things. Mm. Yeah, and, and you're, you're exactly right. And the way we um, compensate means how much value we're putting in, and we need to show teachers that we, have, we value them. Yeah. Um, if, we don't, if we don't do that, um, we're going to lose them. So how – what – what do you, th- I mean, we need to, the compensation for sure. How else can we help the helpers? Um, I, I wish that, so I'll give you an example. I wish that there was more funding for even, I mean, like teachers for, yes, but even like resources for teachers, you know. Um, so when I, I got the award from them, I was like so excited. I was like, ah, oh, I'm going to buy all this stuff. <laughs> Right. And I was like, I know I know exactly what I want to buy, but like stuff is so overpriced, like for you to bring in additional things to help kids like hands on things Mm -hmm. like Ozobots. Like I want to get Ozobots for my class, but there is just no way as a teacher you can afford that. And there's not funding for that Mm -hmm. or even flexible seating. So, I mean, if you had flexible seating, it's just stuff like that that would make your classroom so much uh, like a, a... a, a better learning environment, mm-hmm. especially for kids now, because it's not like when you and I went to school, right. right? Where we sat in front of a chalkboard. It's like they need they need some type of interaction and not like computer all the time. It's just other things, and you just there's not resources for that. That's that's really fascinating because um, you know I, we've been thinking about ways how do we get our you know our businesses more involved say these are these are your future uh employees what do you want to see how do you want them to come out of of school and and you know will they be ready to be your employees and so i think you know having making sure that our all sectors obviously the public sector and the private sector and nonprofits all working together to make sure that these kids and teachers the helping the helpers um, that they get what they need to, to do their jobs. Yeah, because I'm telling you that we, like, problem solving, like, we're, like, that's something that we work on in the sixth grade is is problem solving. And it's, honestly, is not putting a laptop in front of a kid every day. Yeah. That is not the solution. They need hands-on things that they can seriously problem solve and do. And that's, I mean, it's just a whole different generation. Yeah, and if we can get them to problem solve in really constructive ways, they will be better. They will be better online. They won't be yelling at each other and saying awful things. Yeah, because they they surrender. Sadly, they surrender quickly sometimes, and that's trying to get them out of that. Yeah, and as adults, we need to be so much better. We need to be so much better at that. Um, What are some? What are some more? What are some other important? things that you and your your colleagues are doing for your wellness, for your own wellness. Are you, maybe I should say, are you doing anything? And what can we do to 
to make that happen? Um, I, you know what? We're not. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. We're okay. not teachers. Seriously, teachers put themselves on the back burner if they, they just we just don't. Yeah. We just don't do it. And I think, too, because, you know, we worry about about our students and where they're at and whether, you know, where they're at emotionally and academically and all of that, that that really consumes so much that by the end of the day, it's not I mean, it's not thinking about, you know, what can I do for myself? It's like. Yeah, you're, those students are still on your mind. Yeah, but there's just sure. not a there's just not a moment. Yeah, there's really not. I mean, I, okay. Well, I think we want to do everything we can, and and I'm speaking personally. I I you know we're we're putting on a teacher wellness conference, and and I'm so excited to to invite all educators across the state to to participate. It's going to be July 12th uh, this summer, and it's going to be a day of just celebrating our teachers and giving them the the day. I know we can't give you more than a day, but if we That's could give awesome. you more than a day, we would. Um, but we want to build this conference. It's a it's a place where we want to build up our teachers, show them how much how important they are to us and the future of this state. Um, like you said, this you are literally raising the future of our state, and you are educating them and you're putting them forward. Um, and so we, we know that we have got to do more to help our helpers and help our teachers. So, yeah, they're the future of our world. Yes. They're not, yes. It, it's like I, I just I always say to my students that I wish that I had like this magic mirror that I could reflect back to them. And so that they could see, you know, who they are and how important they are. Their potential. You know, yeah. Because yeah. they're it's just huge. Yeah. Is there anything else you wish that people knew? Um, about our teachers, about our students, and things that are going on in our education system right now. Um, I would tell you that um, I, if it's, I'd like to talk a little bit about like parents. I I wish that um, parents would spend a little bit more time in the classroom. Mm, yeah, that's like a huge thing right now, um, especially with all the bills that are trying or that are you know trying to be passed and stuff. Um, I do not have very many parent volunteers, and that's kind of um, disheartening, too. I love that parents want to be involved, and they want to be involved in curriculum, but I would love for them to come and spend time in my classroom and be involved that way, too, if they want to be involved in curriculum. That is a fantastic idea. I'm telling you, the the most powerful thing I did as a as a parent was spend time. I mean, I would I remember in sixth grade, my boys, I would had a great sixth grade teacher, and I would go in. Um, once a week and do a reading group. Um, and so I would take this reading group out. And it was fascinating. That's why I, so I say they're half-baked. It's so much fun. Those sixth graders, they really have incredible ideas. They really are thinking critically. They have the power to do that. And and they really, they are, they're almost like real people. It's kind of fun. Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> awesome. Everybody should spend time with the sixth grader because really they, they really are awesome. And for me, it gave me a, a a feel for for day to day interactions, what was going on in that classroom. I didn't go to parent teacher conference wondering what the heck was going on. I knew because I was there. Yeah, and I think you're exactly right. The more parents get involved, the more just ask what you can do. I would say, can I'm going to come in once a week? Tell me what you want me to do. I can grade papers. I can you know whatever you want me to do. I'm you know special education is my background, background so I can certainly 
teach. I can, I can teach kids. So that's why, you know, a lot of times I was doing reading groups or I was, you know, pulling out, you know, like you said, sometimes if you, if you have kids that are ahead, you're like, what do I do with them? And I had a kindergarten teacher that was amazing. I would come in and I would take the kids that were like already reading in kindergarten and, and push them forward in some hard, you know, some harder reading groups. And I was doing stuff like that so that she could take the time to then get the kids, uh, the other kids up to, up to speed. And I'm telling you, that was, it's yeah, powerful it's as a parent to do it because your eyes are wide open. Yeah. So it is. And guess amazing. what else I'm going to tell you is that your kid will never forget that you came and you were part of the classroom. And I'm not sure if parents feel like teachers don't want them in there, but every year I send out a paper with all my disclosures and stuff and ask for volunteers to come into the classroom and I just don't get it. And, and I know that people have to work and other things, but if they came into the classroom, I think that it would solve a lot of our problems. I think it would solve a lot of problems because I think parents would get a better look at how things are being taught, things are happening. I think they would be more familiar with their teacher, uh, you know, so that when their student comes home and says that something happened a certain way and then they call the teacher, they would realize really what the teacher's about. It's just... I just think it'd be, I just think it'd be powerful. Yeah, absolutely. That human connection, the connection with your student, the connection with the teacher, it is hugely powerful. I've done it myself. I, I would encourage all our legislators to spend time in the classroom. That's a, that's a huge one for us. Spencer's been saying that for a lot of years. Like we think every legislator should come and spend some time in a classroom. Um, and, and just make sure that we're all, um, on the same page, focusing on on our students and giving our teachers exactly what they need to to do the best that they can. So, um, thank you thank so you. much for being here. Um, it's been an absolute pre- pleasure, Melinda. Um, you've good luck in everything you're doing, thank you. and I would love to come to your class some, sometime. Oh, please, so, I would love that. So yeah. I'll 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 make a visit to your yeah, classroom. That would be awesome. I, I that would be really fun. Sixth grade's a great time to yeah they to are. hang out. Good so. Kids. Um, and I appreciate Michelle you being here as well. It's 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 so fun to to have your perspective as well. Thanks so much for having so, me. Thank you.